All right. Well, again, welcome, and uh, I haven't got a chance to even introduce myself. My name's Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'd love to uh, get a chance to, to kind of hang out with you and know you and connect with you uh, afterwards if that's an opportunity. And uh, I want to welcome you if you're visiting or checking out H2O for one of the first times. And, and if you've been paying attention to kind of our online presence or, or been with us over the past couple of weeks, you know that this week we're launching into a new series that we're calling Enemies of the Heart. And uh, the, the series that we're talking about and that we're going to launch into this week is really kind of aimed at helping us address heart-level issues within our own life. And, uh, and when you think about uh, that, that word, our heart, you know, it can kind of mean a lot of different things. We can think about that on many different levels. Uh, when you think about it, you might think about our physical heart, right? And if you've ever had a problem with your physical heart, you know that it's something to take pretty seriously. I know for myself, I had this one experience. Uh, it happened like three or four years ago. Uh, my, my family and I, we were out in Colorado. I was speaking at this conference. We have this leadership training program out in Colorado. Uh, if you're a student, it's definitely something you could, should consider. It's going to be coming up this summer. Um, but we were out there and, and we were speaking at this conference. And so if you've never been out to this part of Colorado that we spend time at, it's, it's over 8,000 feet in elevation, okay? So literally like take where you're sitting right now and like take it up two miles and that's how high it is and and so we we drive out there and one of the things that they tell you when you go out to Estes Park uh, Colorado is you need to hydrate yourself extremely well it's so important you know because the altitude will mess with you you may not believe it but it will actually mess with you and so I've been out there a number of times you know and so I kind of was a little bit overconfident this time when I was out there and I wasn't listening to the experts like uh, you know sometimes I maybe should and so uh, I get out there, and we're there for the first day. We do a lot of hiking. We do a lot of exercise, and, uh, and I'm not really paying attention to how much water I'm drinking. And then the next day, um, we, we sit in on these meetings that we're a part of uh, at, at this leadership training program. Somebody's car has gone off like crazy right now, isn't it? Oh, well. Okay, what can you do? Um, so well, we're sitting there in the, these meetings, and, and one of the things that, if you don't know me, that I have you know, a big propensity for is drinking a lot of coffee, okay? It's just, it's like a core, we talk about core values, it's a core value of mine, that, that I need to have a cup of coffee in my hand, and especially if I am in a meeting, you can ask our staff, it's just like constantly like this, you know, throughout the whole meeting. So I did a bunch of exercise the first day we were there, I, I slept, wake up the next day, we're in like a four-hour long meeting, and I'm just down in coffee, and it's really strong. Somebody who didn't know how to make it, made it, and I mean, it is just thick, but I don't care. I'm down in coffee. Okay, so we get to the end of this four-hour meeting, and I don't know how many cups of coffee I have, but all of a sudden, like, I stood up, and I started seeing all these black dots, you know, and I almost, like, like passed out, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird, you know, so I sit back down, and I drink a cup of water. Yeah, good try. You know, it's way too late, but I, I drink, I'm, okay, I'm going to listen to the experts now. I hydrate myself, and, and so I, I thought maybe that'll help, and so I walked down to this place we're going to eat, and as I'm walking down, I'm still seeing dots, but my heart is, like, thumping big time, you know, and I'm starting to get lightheaded, and I'm thinking, okay, I just got to ride this out, but it, it didn't get any better. It kept getting worse and worse and worse, and all of a sudden, like, my heart has just gone crazy, and I start freaking out a little bit, you know, and I call my wife. I'm like, I think there's something wrong with me. I think I'm having a heart attack, you know, and she's like, really? You know, you're 35 years old, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but there's something wrong with my heart, and I hate going to the doctor. I hardly ever do. I don't even know my doctor's name, but, uh, but, but, 
but I'm like, we got to go to the doctor, you know, and she's like, okay, for me to say that, that's a pretty big deal, and so we called uh, the little hospital in that town, and, and my heart's, and I'm starting to get nervous, you know how a guy is when they're sick, you know, I'm a baby, I'm already, I'm like, you know, uh, you tell the kids I love them, you know, I'm already preparing how this whole thing's going to end, and, uh, and so, like, we get over to the hospital, as we get to the hospital, I walk into this, this uh, lady, this, this female doctor's office, and she's like, you know, I think you're just dehydrated, I think it's the altitude, and I'm like, no, I'm telling you, my heart, there's something wrong with it, and she's like, you know, how much water have you drank, and I'm like, not that much, and she's like, yeah, it's the altitude, and I'm like, oh, all right, so she goes, we'll take, you know, precautions, they hook me up to all these different machines and everything, and what they end up realizing is, she was right, I was wrong, it was just the altitude, okay, but in that moment, I was pretty freaked out, because I know that if you mess with somebody's heart, that's a pretty big deal, right, it's kind of one of those organs that you need in life, I think. I think that's safe to say. We know that the, the heart is an extremely important thing. And, and so as I was sitting there, it, it just made me realize that that is something that we pay special attention to when it comes to our physical health, is our hearts. Uh, but you can probably guess that, that we're not here uh, talking about our, uh, we're not doing a series on our physical health. You know, we're not doing a series on, on working out. We're doing a series that we're talking about a different type of heart. We're doing a series where we're talking and asking the question of, how is your heart? And it's almost like we have two different hearts. We have our physical heart, but then we have that, that other heart that, that poets write about, that, that songwriters, that they, they sing songs about. That other heart is something that it's a little bit harder to define. But we all know what it is, right? When you hear that nostalgic song come back on, it kind of wells up a little bit. When I hear a Journey song, you know, from the 80s, I'm like, yeah, that hits my heart, you know? That's the type of heart we're talking about. When somebody in your family does something that makes you proud and your heart kind of wells up, that's the type of heart we're talking about. When somebody close to you hurts you, maybe even betrays you, that's the heart that we're talking about. And so as we're launching into this series, Enemies of the Heart, I want you to just ask the question as you're sitting here, just be honest with yourself, how, how is your heart? You know, how's your heart doing? If you're honest with yourself, how is your heart doing? And that might not even be a question that you've thought too much about, right? Because we live in a world that's fast-paced. We live in a world where there's so much going on that it's, that it's tempting to, to not stop and reflect on that question, but just keep moving from one thing to another and, and, and not stopping to reflect on how is my heart actually doing. And so the hope of this series is that it's going to help us to stop maybe just for a half hour each Sunday and ask that question, how is your heart doing? And, and throughout this series, we have four different weeks, and what we've done is we've identified these four different emotions that can be enemies of our hearts. These four different things that if we allow to fester, if we allow to continue to grow, if we feed them rather than the remedies, then we will continue to deaden a little bit our heart moment after moment. And someday we'll just wake up and we will be at a spot where our hearts are actually hard. And that's not what God wants for us. The Bible actually says that, that our hearts are the wellspring of life. And so we want to, to have hearts that are alive and that feel and, and that God can use and that are soft to God and to other people. But if we don't pay attention to them, they can oftentimes get harder and harder and harder. And so this is where we come up with the series, Enemy, Enemies of the Heart. So we're going to be talking about the, the emotions of greed. We're going to be talking about, about the emotions of envy. Uh, we're going to be talking about guilt in this series. And today specifically, we're talking about bitterness and anger. 
bitterness and anger. It is truly an enemy of the heart. You know, just like your, your physical heart, if you eat enough bad junk, if you fill your body with too much caffeine or whatever it may be, it's going to produce problems in your life. The same is true with bitterness and anger in our life. If we allow it to continue to come into our hearts, then it will, it can deaden us more and more and more until we hit a point where we're hardened. And so the big idea that we're going to talk about and we're going to discover together today is this, that bitterness leads to bondage, but forgiveness sets us free. Okay? Bitterness leads to bondage, but forgiveness sets us free. You see, you want to know what the remedy to bitterness is? You want to know what the remedy to anger is in your life? It's releasing other people and actually experiencing and becoming a person that is a forgiving person. See, forgiveness is the remedy to bitterness and anger that we are tempted to struggle with in our lives. But forgiveness is interesting because it's kind of this counterintuitive thing that the Bible talks a lot about but is certainly not natural for us as humans. Uh, forgiveness is something that, that, that in reality it is extremely hard to do because forgiveness is to actually, to, to forgive somebody is to actually give them something they don't deserve. By the very nature of the word forgiveness, it means extending something to someone that they don't deserve. Somebody has wronged you and you say, I'm going to give you something that you don't deserve. I'm going to let you off the hook. Instead of holding that against you, I'm going to say you're free from that thing that you've done against me or to me. Forgiveness is hard because we have to extend something we don't deserve to people. I, uh, I talk about my kids a lot at, at H2O because kids, you know, they're, they're such amazing, you know, examples of, of how life is. And there's so many lessons from your kids. So I have three kids. If you don't know me, I have a 10-year-old Allison, 9-year-old Sam, 5-year-old Isaac. And uh, I'm really thankful because my kids, honestly, they're amazing kids. It's like they're best friends. They love each other. But they're kids, right? And more than kids, they're humans, you know, which is a good thing, right? Um, you know, I, I'm raising little humans. And when humans are in close quarters, no matter what, there will be conflict, right? That, you may know that from being married. You may know that from having roommates. You may know that from having siblings. When humans are in close quarters, there will be conflict. Well, as a parent, um, I like to kind of take a little bit of a laid-back approach to conflict that my kids have. I like to try to uh, help them learn how to work it out on their own. And so if, if I hear some arguing or something like that going on in the other room, my, my initial reaction is to want to jump in. But what I've trained myself to do is kind of see if they can work it out on their own. And so I kind of have a rule. Uh, for the most part, I will let them work out on their own unless there is blood curling, screaming, or blood. You know, those are the, the two things that I'm like, I probably need to jump in if one of those two things happens. So um, inevitably, every once in a while, that will even happen. And so, um, you know, here's how the conversation usually goes. I'll be in another room. I'll hear some type of screaming or tears, and I'm like, okay, I should probably get involved. I, I get off the couch. I walk into the other room, all right? And so I, I come in, and I say, hey you know, what's going on? And, and usually it's like, well, he hit me, okay? And so then I say, well, why did you hit her? And she says, well, he kicked me. I say, okay, well, why did you kick him? And she said, because he's being annoying. Were you being annoying? Well, yeah, but be, it's because, you know, they, they were too long on the iPad. They were being annoying too. And, and, well, why were you on the iPad? Well, I just wanted it, you know. And so as we are kind of talking through this debate, the, this final line will usually end up coming out at some point. Well, I hit them because they deserved it. 
you know? I, I hit Allison because she deserved it. I mean, she started it. it. It needed to happen. It's not really my fault. I mean, she set me up for it. What am I supposed to do? She deserved it. And it's like, that's probably true a little bit, you know, in life. You know, when, when, when you think about your life, there's often times where people wrong us, and what they deserve is to have us get back at them. You know, what they deserve is for us to hold a grudge against them. What they deserve is for us to give it right back to them. It's something that my kids say, but it's something that probably all of us function like in life, isn't it? When somebody wrongs us, you got to wrong them back. You think about science. I mean, science actually confirms this. Newton's third law of motion. Any of you scientists in the room, you may know this, but it's, it's that every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. I had to look that one up, just to be honest. I'm not a scientist. But for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And so, really, forgiveness is almost anti-scientific, you know, because it's so opposite of what we're trained to do Deep down in our hearts, forgiveness defies even the laws of nature and science. But here's the thing. If you want to have a heart that's full, if you want to have a heart that's alive, if you want to have a heart that's not bitter and angry, forgiveness, being a forgiving person is the key to making that happen. And so while it may defy the laws of science, it doesn't defy the laws of God's word. Because when we forgive, it turns us into the people that God wants us to be. See, when we're wronged and we wrong others back, it's like this old phrase, maybe you've heard it, about forgiveness. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. Bitterness, anger, it's like ingesting poison into your own life and then expecting to harm the other person who actually harmed you. It doesn't work out too well. But we're trained that way. And so it's hard for us to release other people. So I want to look at the words of Jesus. The Bible has a lot to say about the topic of forgiveness. In fact, forgiveness is one of the central themes throughout the pages of Scripture. And and Jesus has some really amazing words to us about the topic of forgiveness. And specifically when it comes to forgiveness and how it affects our hearts. So if you want to open up to me with Matthew 18. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to look at a story that Jesus tells. In Matthew 18, much of the chapter is actually Jesus kind of coaching his followers and his disciples through how to deal with conflict. So if you're in a season of conflict in your life, you may want to open up to Matthew 18 and spend a little bit of time in there because Jesus is a pretty wise guy. He has some pretty amazing things for us to learn about conflict. But after talking about how to deal with conflict, he, he uh, has this conversation with uh, our friend Peter. We've talked about Peter a lot throughout this year. Peter usually has some pretty, pretty good questions for Jesus. So Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. It says this. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus, and he asked him, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Okay, we're going to stop there for a minute because uh, what's going on here is, is Peter is kind of like many of us. You know, he's like, I know that Jesus raised the bar 
you know, in life. And so I'm going to ask Jesus this question, and I'm going to throw out this absurd thing that I should forgive people at least seven times. Jewish culture during that time said you forgive people up to three times, okay? That was generous. That was extremely generous during that time. And so Peter knew that was the, the custom, that you would forgive people up to three times. Peter knew that Jesus raised the bar. And so he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to impress Jesus right here. Watch this, Jesus. How many times should I forgive somebody? Seven times? And then Jesus is like, no, you don't quite get it yet, Peter. 77 times, you know. And, and what Jesus is saying here is it's not about the number 77. It's not like on number 78 you can punch him in the nose, you know. Um, Jesus isn't trying to communicate that. What he's communicating to Peter is, listen, I want you to forgive unlimitedly. I want your forgiveness to be unlimited. Man, Jesus said a lot of hard things, but if you've been somebody who's been wronged, that may be one of the hardest things that he says in all of the pages of Scripture. Again, it's so counterintuitive to our culture and our world. What are some of the, the, the phrases or the axioms that we have in our culture? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right? you got to put your guard up if somebody makes a mistake. you got to make sure that you don't get hurt. You have to look out for yourself. You can't get shamed or you can't get fooled multiple times. No. Then you just become a fool. And Peter's like, how about seven times? No. Seventy-seven times. And, and, and so the question then becomes, well, is Jesus just like saying that we should just um, forgive carelessly? Should, should we just nonchalant forgive everybody, become doormats, and let people run all over us? Is that what Jesus is saying? Well, no, he's not. Jesus is going to give an explanation for this extremely hard thing that he tells us. And he's going to tell Peter a parable. And I think this parable is what we want to spend some time looking at and reflecting on together today. He's going to continue. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began settling, a, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that they do be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees and he begged him, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him, and he began choking him, and he said, Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell on his knees, and he begged him, Be patient with me, just like he did. Be patient with me, and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off, and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And when they told their master everything that had happened, and then the master called the servant in, he said, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't have you had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master handed over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It's an intense parable. Those are intense words. See, Jesus is giving some context to why he told Peter that he should forgive unlimitedly. 
And so let's unpack this parallel. Let's unpack this parable here for just a minute because there's kind of these three different steps that this man went through as he was learning and as Jesus is teaching us about forgiveness. And the first kind of role, the first kind of step that he was in was this servant was a debtor, right? He owed a debt to his master. It says that that he owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Biblical scholars, as I was researching this passage this week, they tried to, you know, do some parallel to what it would be like. And it was worth about $10 million in today's money, what this guy owed his master. Not a small sum of money. And it's interesting because uh, we can gather that this man, um, he, he didn't mind owing him the money. He just minded that he got the debt called in. You know, he just minded that he got caught. And so he has this massive, massive amount of debt. He is a debtor. And he may have had hope of getting out of that debt, but really, let's be honest, $10 million? I I mean, there's just no way that he was going to get out of that debt. The only way, the only way that he could ever be free would be for his debt to be, what, forgiven. And so what does the the master do? He does that very thing. He's extremely uh, generous and gracious, and he forgives a $10 million debt. And then what happens? The guy who got the $10 million debt forgiven has somebody else, one of his peers, owe him, says 10 bags or maybe 100 bags of silver. And and, and again, biblical scholars say that that was about $30,000 to $40,000 during that time. So, so the man who was once a debtor now becomes a creditor. Now somebody else owes him something. And how does he respond? Oh, he doesn't want to extend that same forgiveness that his master extended to him. He doesn't want to extend that at all. He wants justice. He wants his money. I mean, $30,000, $40,000. That's not a small sum of money either, is it? And so he says, give me my money. And the guy says, I can't. He says, well, then go to jail. And so he, after just being forgiven extravagantly, throws this peer of his in jail for a much smaller sum. So he went from a debtor to a creditor back to a prisoner. Back to a prisoner. Because the master saw what had happened after forgiving him this $10 million loan. And he says, you want justice? You want to hold somebody else to the, that standard? I'll hold you to that same standard as well. And so he sends him into prison. Think about that, that story. Jesus is telling it as a parable, but there's, there's truth in that story, even though it is a parable, because as we think about that story, the, the, the parallels are, are obvious. The, the master is like God. And each one of us, our sin and our brokenness puts us in a place where we have a debt we cannot repay before God. It's like a $10 million debt. No matter how hard you work, no matter what you do, you are not going to be able to pay off that debt. And what the gospel teaches us is that our only hope is forgiveness. This is why it's such a central theme throughout the Bible. Our only hope to be reconciled with God, our only hope to be made right with God is not our good works. It's not us working our way off and paying back 10000 here and 20000 there and hoping that we get to the $10 million someday. That's not going to work. Our only hope as we stand before God is him to say, you're set free. You're forgiven. 
And it can't be by something that we do. It can only be by the grace of God. And as we look at that story, we cannot be like that, that, that second man who had this, his debt forgiven, but then didn't extend that same forgiveness to the people around him. You see, we can put it another way, that, that our vertical relationship always affects our horizontal relationships. So if you are somebody who's here and calls yourself a follower of Christ, if you claim the forgiveness of Jesus Christ on your life, then there is no possible way that that forgiveness cannot affect the relationships that you have with the people around you. I mean, think about the power of that. Because if it doesn't, it is a misunderstanding of the gospel. And so if you're here and maybe you're just kind of searching out Christianity, you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Christ, you get off the hook on this one for a few minutes. I mean, what you can actually do is you can actually hold us, those of us who call ourselves Christians, accountable to that standard. If you see one of us in anger or bitterness and we're not releasing other people, you can say, didn't you say that God's forgiven you for everything? How can you not forgive somebody else for something doesn't it mean to be a follower of Christ that you've been forgiven and set free? Well, then how would you not extend that freedom to other people? Does God's forgiveness stop with you? It's like, hey, God lavishes the forgiveness on me, but it just stays right here. It can't go out horizontally. No, our vertical relationship with God has to affect our horizontal relationships with one another. And that is what Jesus is teaching us. That if we truly understand the gospel, we will extend that forgiveness to other people around us. So let's get personal for a minute. Because this is a personal topic. As we think about our hearts, as you're reflecting just for a few minutes on that question, how is your heart? I want you to, to ask that question. Is there somebody in your life that you need to forgive? Is there somebody in your life that you need to extend the forgiveness that God has offered to you to them? If you're honest with your life, has God's forgiveness kind of stopped with you? And you say, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm going to hoard it to myself. I'm not going to give it around to the people. Is there somebody in your life, maybe multiple people, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a roommate, maybe it's a spouse, and they've caused you pain? And they've hurt you. And yet you're sitting in that bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. It's a hard question to ask. It's one that we don't oftentimes stop to ask. But I have to say, if you want your heart to be alive and full and well, it's so important. And so maybe you're here and you say, well, you know, that's, that's great and, and, and I understand this, but you don't know all the things I've been through. You don't know everything that's been done to me. And, and, and if that is you as you're sitting here, I would say you're probably right. And some of us, we have things that have been done or said to us that seem unforgivable. I recognize that. I truly do recognize that. But the question that we all have to wrestle with is by not forgiving that person for what they said or for what they did, is it actually keeping you into bondage? instead of setting you free. You know, I, I was out at another conference uh, speaking a number of years ago. I was talking on the, the topic of forgiveness. And uh, as I was sharing some of these similar thoughts uh, on this topic, uh, afterwards, you know, we prayed, 
the band came up to worship, and I was standing in the front row worshiping, and this woman in her 60s came up to me. She was, like, weeping. And I was like, oh, man, did I say something to offend her, you know? Did I do something wrong? What's, what's going on? And, and, and so I'm standing in the front row, and she says, can I talk to you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, of course. And um, so we stepped outside, and she said, I just happened to be coming through. I shouldn't have even really been here. She said, I've been in church my whole life. She said, I'm actually a pastor's wife. She's like, a couple years ago, I had this bad church split. We were mistreated. People did things, said things that no church or Christian should ever do. Ended up in the spot where her husband lost his job unjustly. Felt horrible. Felt like everybody turned their back on us. She said, my husband's actually forgiven those people. She's like, I, I haven't. I haven't been able to do it yet. And she's weeping as she's telling me this story. And she said, I felt that bitterness. Felt my heart becoming numb. I felt that anger. And I know it's not what God wants for me. And so maybe that's why I'm here right now. You know, and I got a chance to, to sit there and to pray with her and to listen to her story. And she said this, and this is why I wanted to share this story. She said, I've heard probably hundreds of messages on forgiveness. You know, and a lot of times when you hear messages that you've heard before, you just assume that it's for somebody else. She's like, but I knew this one was for me. And so maybe you've heard hundreds of messages on forgiveness. Maybe you've been here and, and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's a common theme that we talk about. Well, maybe, just maybe God is doing something in your heart. And even as you sit here and reflect on how your heart is, maybe there's somebody that God's bringing to your mind that you need to forgive and that you need to release. You see, it, it comes back to this question. Do they really deserve it? I mean, how can I forgive somebody if they don't deserve it? But the answer to that is, do we deserve God's grace and forgiveness in our own lives? See, forgiveness is not something you do because somebody deserves it. Absolutely not. If that were the case, none of us would ever get forgiveness. And we certainly would not get forgiveness from God. So uh, the right question to ask isn't, do they deserve it? The right question to ask is, what has God done for us? And are we able to extend that to the people around us? You know, I, I said earlier that, you know, maybe if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ and you got off the hook for a few minutes, you know, and uh, because, because the forgiveness that the Bible talks about is based in the forgiveness that's been extended to us by Jesus. But I also want to even ask you a question. And if you're somebody who's here and you've been kind of harboring maybe some bitterness and some anger, the question is, how's it working out for you in your life? Is harboring that unforgiveness turning you into the person that you want to be? Is it making you alive and well and full in life? Is it making your heart come alive? Or my guess is, is it kind of deadening your heart just a little bit more and more and turning you into somebody that you actually didn't want to be? But it's an enemy of our heart when we, when we persist in bitterness and anger towards people. You see, God wants us to give, not just because he loves the person that hurt us or harmed us or wronged us. God wants us to forgive because he loves us. And he cares about our hearts. And he wants what's best for our hearts. And he wants freedom in our lives. 
Joseph Tunson, he, he is an author who writes a lot about forgiveness. He says this, release them and you will be released. Release them and you will be released. You see, the, the world's worst prison, the world's worst prison isn't a, a cell somewhere. It, it's, it's a hardened heart full of bitterness and anger that you cannot overcome because it pushes people away. And while you may be walking around free out on the streets, it, it actually keeps you imprisoned as somebody that God doesn't want you to be and you don't want to be. See, sadly, some of us are here and we're in bondage to something that's happened to us a long time ago or maybe even recently, but because we can't forgive, we can't walk in freedom that God has for us. And I want to close with this because I think anytime we talk about this topic, it's so important uh, to, to recognize this, that forgiving somebody does not mean that we condone what was said to us or done to us. Absolutely not. Forgiveness doesn't mean that, that we say what happened to me was right or good. Absolutely not. Again, some of us have experienced and been part of things that were unjust and wrong and should not have happened and have hurt us to the core of who we are. And so forgiveness doesn't mean condoning somebody else's behavior. It doesn't mean just sweeping things under the rug and pretending everything that is good. Forgiveness doesn't mean that, that we become a doormat. What forgiveness means is recognizing that a wrong has been committed against us and choosing to forgive that person and not holding that sin against them so that we and they can walk in freedom. See, Romans twelve eighteen. it says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, Okay, that is our responsibility when it comes to forgiveness, as far as it depends on you. So there's a difference oftentimes between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness comes before reconciliation. Forgiveness means that we release somebody. Reconciliation means that both parties agree and are reunited and mend the relationship. That can't always happen because the Bible says as far as it depends on you, you can't control somebody else's behavior. You can't, if somebody continues to put you in a position that's hurting you or harming you, you don't need to stay in that position. As far as it depends on you, though, live at peace with everyone. And you can forgive somebody but not be completely reconciled to that person if they're not willing or able to change their hurtful behavior. So there is a difference there, but there's something about that forgiveness, even if the relationship isn't reconciled, that frees us to live in the wholeness that God wants us to walk in and frees our hearts to be full the way that God intended them to be. See, real relationships involve people, and people will make mistakes. They will hurt each other. That's inevitable in life. But the question is, can we extend forgiveness that God has extended to us? And the only way we can do it is by grasping the power of the gospel, how, how serious our sin is, how much it separated us from God, and how much debt God has forgiven for us. And it will allow us to extend that forgiveness to others. So I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask the band to come up, and we're just going to spend a little time reflecting and worshiping together as we close out this.